the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. I exult for joy in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, says the entrance antiphon of today's Mass. For he has clothed me in the garment of salvation and robed me in a cloak of justice, like a bride adorned with her jewels. And so the liturgy of this solemnity places these words on the lips of Our Lady. They express the fulfillment of the ancient prophecy of Isaiah. And today, together with the Church, we want to shower upon Our Lady the highest praises that any creature could be given. Saint Andrew of Crete, an early father of the Church, praised her above all creation on this occasion. He said, may all creation shout for joy. May heaven rejoice and may justice rain down in turrets from the clouds. Let the mountains exude sweet honey and the hills pour forth cataracts of jubilation. The Lord has shown his mercy on his people. He has raised a powerful savior from the house of his servant David. The most pure and immaculate Virgin Mother arrives for the health and hope of all the peoples of the world. And so through a desire to redeem the whole of humanity, the Blessed Trinity chose Mary to be the mother of the Son of God made man. <clears throat> and so Lumen Gentium of the Second Vatican Council says the Creator wanted Our Lady to be joined indissolubly to both the human birth and the salvific mission of the divine word made flesh. In the economy of salvation, the Blessed Mother is eternally united to Jesus. He alone is perfect God and perfect man, the foreordained mediator and redeemer of the world. Mary was predestined from eternity to be the mother of God by the decree of divine providence which determined the incarnation of the word. And so from the very first instance of her natural existence, Our Lady remained associated with our Son in the redemption of humanity through her unique and exalted election by God. She's the woman referred to in Genesis in the first reading of today's Mass. She's the new Eve. After the first act of evil, the specific original sin, God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your lineage and hers. And so Mary is the new Eve from which a new race, the church, will be born. And we're told in Lumen Gentium 
by reason of her choice as mother of the Saviour, Our Lady receives more grace than all the angels and saints combined. She thus occupies a unique place among the sons and daughters of men, because after Christ, she possesses the greatest dignity of any being in the whole of creation. At the same time, she remains very close to us. Well, these are beautiful words that come from the magisterium of the church. Our Lady possesses the greatest dignity of any being in the whole of creation. And so it's logical that our sight and our heart and our mind would be drawn to Our Lady. Because she's, well, the greatest work of God. John Paul II liked to call her the first up was day. And in her unsurpassable excellence, she's the perfect type of the church on account of her faith, her charity, and her perfect union with God. The same document says she's an example for us in our practice of all the virtues. <clears throat> so whatever virtue it is that we might be trying to grow in and improve on, well, she's an example of that virtue. We can turn to her and ask her for specific graces to help us to carry out this virtue a little better. We need only look to our mother as the ideal that we have to strive to emulate. And coupled with the grace of Christ, her intercessory power is so great that the more devotion to her spreads, the more our believer is drawn into closer union with her son and with the father. And so today, as we contemplate Our Lady, she's the most pure and exalted creature in the whole universe. St. John Paul said, we look up to her as on a star that guides us, shining through the dark clouds of human uncertainty. The annual solemnity of the Immaculate Conception shines bright from within the background of the Advent Liturgy. We contemplate Our Lady in the divine economy of salvation as the gate of heaven through which the Redeemer comes into the world. Try and find some little way in your family of communicating to your children the greatness of this feast day. A number of years ago in a school I was involved in, the there was a sort of kindergarten class and the teacher was wondering how he could teach the children to remember or to celebrate the birthday of Our Lady. <clears throat> and so he had an idea and he decided to buy a birthday cake. And they sang, light the candles, they lit the candles and they sang happy birthday to Our Lady. And then they blew out the candles and then they ate the cake. And one year later, all the children remembered the birthday of Our Lady. Some people say the fastest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And so we can use our ingenuity to find ways and means in our families of celebrating these great feast days so that they become indelibly marked in the minds and hearts and souls of our children. Our Lady's fullness of grace was received at the moment of her immaculate conception. We say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. 
Blessed are you among women. And so through the merits of Christ and an extraordinary special grace, Our Lady is preserved from all stain of original sin from the very first moment of her conception. St. Thomas Aquinas says it would not have been proper for God to inhabit in anything imperfect. So Mary had to be preserved clean from all stains of sin. <clears throat> Pius XI said, and Pius IX said, God loved her with a unique predilection. He filled her with the greatest abundance of his celestial gifts. And her participation in the divine nature exceeds that of all the angels and saints together. Her life reflects so great a fullness of innocence and sanctity that a more exalted creature cannot be conceived except by the creator himself. And so the preservation of Our Lady from all stain of original sin is an absolutely unique privilege. Theologians say that the fullness of grace in Mary's case was the principal ground and characteristic of our human nature. Every aspect of her being shone with the splendor of that harmony with which God had originally wanted to, in, with which to endow all humanity. She was free from all actual sin and from even the slightest moral imperfection. She had no need to struggle against disordered passions, nor did she suffer interior temptations. Exempt from the consequences of concupiscence, she felt no attraction towards any sin or to any of the allurements of the devil. And so we're told in Christ is passing by. <clears throat> then through the merits of Christ, Mary received the fullness of grace from the redemption. We understand clearly that God prepared with infinite love the one who was to become the mother of his son. How would we have acted if we could have chosen our own mother? I'm sure we would have chosen the one we have, adorning her with every possible grace. That's what Christ did, being all-powerful, all-wise, love itself. His power carried out his will. And today, on this great solemnity, we see a remarkably meaningful connection with the solemn feast of Christmas. The church has wanted that the one great celebration would follow chronologically close to the other. The first indication of spring, while it is yet winter, when everything seems dead, <clears throat> is the appearance of green shoots. Similarly, in a world stained by sin and plagued by despair, the Immaculate Conception prefigures the restoration of man's innocence. Ronald Knox says we can sense the imminence of this development in much the same way as we do the appearance of a flower, when at first all we see is the bud. It was still winter in the cold world around, but not in Joachim's tranquil home, <coughs> where St. Anne gave birth to a female child. The hope of new life 
began the very same moment that Our Lady was conceived in the fullness of grace, without the slightest disfigurement of original sin. The liturgy says, Torta pulcra is Maria. You were all fair, Mary, and there is no stain in you. Because there's no stain of sin, there is no ugliness. Mary is all beauty. And so the life of the Immaculate Mother of God will always be a worthy ideal for all of us to imitate. Because she's a model of sanctity in ordinary life, of the kind of holiness that is accessible to everyone in everyday circumstances. It's a quiet dedication that often passes unnoticed. To be able to follow her example well, we need frequently to seek out her protection. During these days of the Novena, we can strengthen our relationship with Our Lady by our efforts to intensify our striving to have recourse to her in everything we do. Our Lord said in the Gospel, Behold your mother. He wants us to be always looking at her. We can try to live specific Marian customs, glancing at her images around the place, trying to say her rosary with greater piety and devotion, celebrating her feast days in our family or doing something special on them, having some little words to say to Our Lady as we go through the day, words that only people who love know are important. We can pray her Angelus with greater piety and try and have the sweet name of our mother always on our lips. And that way we bring Our Lady into, into everything we do. We could try to see how we could make a visit to the poor of Our Lady and perhaps to foster corporate works of mercy in our family in the coming weeks so that our family life changes a little bit. Because Our Lady comes to be at its center. We're told in the Catechism, all generations will call me blessed. The Church's devotion to the Blessed Virgin is intrinsic to Christian worship. The Church rightly honors the Blessed Virgin with special devotion. In the most ancient times, <clears throat> the Blessed Virgin has been honored with the title of Mother of God whose protection the faithful fly in all their dangers and needs. This very special devotion differs essentially from the adoration which is given to the incarnate word and equally to the Father and the Holy Spirit and greatly fosters this adoration. The liturgical feast dedicated to the Mother of God and Mary in prayer, such as the Rosary, are an epitome of the whole gospel and with that, we express this devotion to Our Lady. Talk to Our Lady, to Saint Rosa Maria, and tell her trustingly, O Mary, in order to live the ideal which God has set in my heart, I need to fly high, very high, ever so high. It's not sufficient, he says, to detach yourself with God's help from the things of the world recognizing them as merest clay, 
more is needed. Even if you were to put the whole universe in a pile under your feet to get closer to heaven, it wouldn't suffice. You have to fly. Without the support of anything here on earth, relying on the voice and the inspiration of the Spirit. And you will tell me, but my wings are stained and smeared with the clinging mud of many years. And I repeat, <clears throat> turn to Our Lady. Mary, you should say it to her again. I can hardly get off the ground. The earth draws me like an accursed magnet. Mary, you can make my soul take off on that glorious and definitive flight which has as its destination the very heart of God. Trust in her, for she is listening to you. And so with great reason we turn to Our Lady and ask her for those big things that we need on special days like today. Because we know that she's all beauty. And she's waiting for those things that we have to say to her. Poets and intellectuals, craftsmen, kings and warriors, mature men and women, as well as children who've hardly learned to speak. All these people offer her their praise. This includes those people who work in the countryside or others who labor most of their lives in the offices of the cities. <clears throat> Some spend a great deal on the high pastures of mountains and many others in long hours working on the factory bench. All these children of Mary get on with their lives with her help. In the midst of everyday joys and sorrows, and especially during critical moments that are to be found in the lives of each one of us. Many people have died with the sweet name of Mary on their lips and lovingly held in their innermost thoughts. Thousands of voices in a multitude of languages have sung the praises of the Mother of God. They've also quietly petitioned her to look on those sons and daughters of hers who are most in need of her mercy. It's a nice thing each day to have some prayer or some memory to pray for the person around us who needs it most. <clears throat> we don't know who that person is, but we know that they're in need of our prayer. And so spurred on by the momentum of the novena, we can blend our voice with theirs as we continue to correspond with the various calls in our generosity that our Lord addresses to each one of us every day of our lives. Pope St. John Paul says the Holy Spirit has taught countless generations of Christians throughout the ages that the truest path to the heart of Jesus is through Mary. With this in mind, we need to accustom ourselves to entrusting our needs with confidence to the Blessed Virgin. She sees the shortcut to God for us. Zealously conserve your tender and confident love for the Blessed Virgin. And do not let it go cold, the Holy Father says. Be faithful to the Marian practices of piety that are traditional in the Church. The Angelus, special devotion to Our Lady during the month of May, and in particular the Holy Rosary. <clears throat> Our Lady is full of grace, blessed among women. 
She's resplendent with the love of God. And she is our mother. One way we can show her affection, devotion, would be to carry a picture of her in our handbag or wallet. We could also keep an image of her at the office, in our car, in our bedroom. We naturally invoke her protection in all of these everyday places. Probably without the sound of words. If we fulfill our resolution to recourse to Our Lady more frequently during the day, meaning now, we'll experience the fruit of entrusting our needs to her as described by one of the fathers of the church. Our Lady, says St. John Damascene, is rest for those who work consolation, is rest for those who work consolation for those who mourn, and relief for those who are sick. She's a refuge for those caught in the storms of life, a fountain of compassion for sinners, a sweet relief for the sorrowful, and a sure source of aid for those who pray. The Catechism says it is the Church, in communion with all the baptized, that the Christian fulfills his vocation. From the Church he receives the Word of God, containing the teachers of the law of Christ. From the Church he receives the grace of the sacraments, which sustain him on the way. From the Church he learns the example of holiness, and recognizes its model and source in the All-Holy Virgin Mary. He discerns in the authentic witness of those who live it. He discovers it in the spiritual tradition and long history of the saints who have gone before him and whom the whole history celebrates in the rhythms of the, of the liturgical year. And so there are many ways we can look to Our Lady and learn from her. We're told in the Catechism that only faith can embrace the mysterious ways of God's almighty power. This faith glories in his weakness in order to draw to itself Christ's power. The Virgin Mary is the supreme model of this faith. For she believed that nothing will be impossible with God. And she was able to magnify the Lord. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Well, maybe we can thank Our Lady for the fact that some aspect of Marian piety and devotion is being instilled in our family, possibly through our observance of some of the things we've been mentioning. But you also know as we look to the future, <coughs> people around us, our family, our children, they will all need, always need the protection of Our Lady. They'll always need to look to her to grow in their faith and their hope and their charity. Because she's a mother who can do everything, church calls her omnipotente, omnipotentia supplicante. She's able to obtain all sorts of things for us. Well, therefore, we can go with joy to the throne of grace in order to obtain that mercy. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to infuse love in our hearts. With that love, we'll help Our Lady to be there. Help us to see that she's always smiling at us. She sees us with human eyes and a human heart. When we tell her that she's our sweetness and our hope, as we say in the Hail Holy Queen, may those words go very directly to her heart. 
when we call on her as our refuge and our strength, may she listen to us. Help us to wear some little identity detail of a, of a medal to Our Lady around her neck or carry one with us in our pocket so that we can be identified as a son of Mary or a daughter of Mary. As a fruit of this novena, we could try to place Our Lady in everything, in our getting up and in our lying down, in the fulfillment of our own little, little duties each day, in our efforts to be a bit more silent when I need to be more silent, or a bit more dynamic when I need to be more dynamic. With all these things, we will offer Our Lady a rose. It's the one thing that makes her happy, that rose. And so we pray that she may accept that little rose and love it very much. Did you not know that I must be busy with my father's affairs, we're told in the way. The reply of Jesus to of Jesus the youth. And a reply made to a mother like his mother, who had been seeking him for three days, believing him to be lost. A reply which has as a compliment those words of Christ that St. Matthew records, Anyone who prefers father or mother to me is not worthy of me. And in the Mass, in the first Eucharistic prayer, we say the words, in union with the whole church, we honour Mary, the ever-Virgin Mary, the ever-Virgin Mother of Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. For every Mass, where that is said, Our Lady gets pride of place. We're told in the forge, if I were a leper, my mother would hug me. She would kiss my wounds without fear or hesitation. Well then, what would the Blessed Virgin Mary do? When we feel we're like lepers, all full of sores, we have to cry out, Mother. And the protection of our mother will be like a kiss upon our wounds, which will obtain our cure. Invoke the heart of Holy Mary, he says in the furrow, with the purpose and determination of uniting yourself to her sorrow in reparation for your sins and the sins of men of all times and pray to her for every soul that her sorrow may increase in us our aversion to sin and we may be able to love the physical and moral contradictions of each day as a means of expiation. And so, Mary, may you accept this prayer that we affectionately address to you on this special, on this special day. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us, so have recourse to you. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.